Welcome to the Girl on Top Shallon XO podcast. I'm your host, Shallon Lester, and you might know me from my YouTube channel, where I analyze celeb relationships and scandals for the lessons we can take into our own lives. But here on the podcast, I answer the best questions you submitted over the past week. Got a love quandary? Head to my website, shallonlester.com, to get connected and also shop my merch and take some fun quizzes. Be sure to rate and review this podcast if you like it and follow me on Instagram at ShadowLinXO and find me on YouTube for four new videos a week. Welcome back to the podcast, my little chickadees. This week, we're going to be talking about friendships, how to make them for other people. Wait, what? I don't know if you guys have dealt with this, but having a guy in your life, your boyfriend, whatever, who doesn't have a ton of social connections can be really, really exhausting when you do have a healthy, robust social life and vice versa. How can you kind of weed out people in your life who are maybe a little flaky or you just realize like they're not my good fit in terms of friendship? Well, the answer is kind of the same for both, so we're going to talk about it. I'm also going to touch on some things I want you guys to know about therapies. But before we get into it, let's do our relaxation. So our mantra this week is going to be a little bit different, right? Usually it's like, I am I am freedom, whatever. Today, it's going to be open door, strong fence. Open door, strong fence. I've got a really nice fence around my property, and I like to leave my door open. I mean, I don't have a lot of foot traffic in front of my house, but I've always just been like a person who likes to have their door open, like when I lived in California, because it just, I just feel connected with the nature and whatever. But I have, like I said, a strong fence. So I can have this openness in my home because I know I'm protected with my property boundary. And this is kind of how we should approach life. We want to be open you know, we don't want to be closed off and suspicious and uh, no, I'm no new friends. No, 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 this. You need to be doing that. We don't want to live like that. But we also can't be only an open door with no boundaries, with no fence around our emotional property, because that's how people get in. And that's what we feel taken advantage of. So we got to work on doing both. And hopefully this week we're going to get some tips on that. So relax your shoulders. This might be the only 30 seconds of your week where you just breathe and you just focus on saying an intentional mantra to yourself. You know, we have what, like 20,000 thoughts a day. It might even be more. I don't know. Let's make some of them intentional. So we're going to breathe in through the nose. Open door, strong fence. We say it as we exhale. One more time in through the nose. And out. So before we get started, just want to remind you guys, follow me on Instagram. Also pick up our book club selection, Essentialism. It's You can get it right down there in the podcast description. And if you have a question that you want answered one-on-one, head over to my website, shallonlester.com and click submit a question. Or if you want like a little video shout out, you can find me on Cameo here in the USA or on Memo in the UK Let's see, Europe and Canada, I believe. So, you know, I'm a hoe in different area codes, as we know. So as usual, we're getting these questions from the Shalligator Reddit thread. It's a fantastic place for you guys to connect. It's just like my favorite thing. I lurk on there all the time. So one of you guys, okay, so there's two questions. 
One is about a girl having trouble with her boyfriend and his lack of connections. And another one is about a girl having trouble with her own sort of like, not lack of connections, just lackluster connections. So we're going to talk to this shalligator first. She said, we all have those friends who seem nice and cool and seem compatible interest-wise, but they might be a little bit flaky. And you can feel for them, but then you realize they're in this constant state of chaos and being frazzled. So they're not really someone who can you can rely on or someone you even really want to hang out with. And if you do, if you reach out to them, you often don't hear back. How do you address this and move towards better connections? I think I've kind of distanced myself from people to prevent having bad experiences. I was so used to being different to where people that I viewed as followers rather than doers or that worked in little packs and had cliques of friends, oh, you know, I would sort of like poo-poo them. But I just don't want to push people to be my friend. It seems like a defense mechanism again, but I do want better connections in my life. That's question number one. We're going we're gonna to do it a little different. We're going to read the questions and then we're going to do the answers because, you know, I think that they all kind of dovetail together. Okay, this is question number two. So my boyfriend is feeling very lonely as he doesn't have many solid friends. I, however, have too many. And generally, I form connections that I think maybe more connections than average. But here's the catch. I have more of like a bitch face and I'm not the friendliest and I'm picky about who I talk to, but I'm like bitchy nice. He, however, is super bubbly and he really tries and he's nice and he's a generous person. What's wrong, though? Why aren't he forming connections and friendships? Is it his desperation that deters people? I'm a little more complex than him, I guess. I try to help, but it's difficult because these bonds really do have to form on their own. So we're dealing with two different people coming from two different angles. Someone who has a lot of connections, too many friends, and someone who has like, yeah, you know, a lot of friends, but not quality friends. So you guys weighed in. And I think both of you guys on both of these questions said fantastic things. Okay. So we're going back to the girl who's looking for better connections. She said, I'm in the same situation. Sometimes connecting with friends from your past can be a solution. I started reaching out to girls that I didn't see for years and we kind of stopped talking, even though, you know, we're still friends, but now we're really close. Also, one thing I noticed from a coworker is that I've been doing as well is to just make a point to greet everyone at work and get to know people. You'd be surprised at the difference in your social life just by reaching out and saying hi versus when you don't. Be the initiator sometimes. Of course, effort is needed from both sides for sure, but initiating is a great way to start things and you'll find that most people will reciprocate. I love this answer. I love this. I love this. I, you know my motto, never chase, never chase. But that's never chase boys, right? When it comes to friendships, I've moved and I have created like a huge, fantastic, really solid, amazing group of best friends here in Montana. But it's because I was bold. I was the initiator. I've talked about this before. Like if you guys want like a, a deeper dive on how I made my friends out here, you can go check it out on Flays. I did a whole bunch of story times on it. But basically, yeah, I was like, hey, I'm hosting a craft afternoon. Hey, I'm making steak. Come on over. Hey, you want to get lunch? Like I was putting myself out there. I was a really good listener. You know, I was offering people a fresh perspective because people, we get kind of entrenched in our lane, in our, our role within our clique. Oh, she's the party friend. Oh, she's the responsible friend. Oh, she's the friend who's always single, right? So if we can come in and offer them like a clean slate, you tell me who you are, Alexis. Oh my God. So we offered them a, a, like a do-over, a fresh start. And that's very magnetic. People love that, you know? And often they're kind of rewriting their own story to be their better self. She's not like Sarah in the bad marriage. 
You know, she's Sarah who's starting her own business. Like, yeah, okay, my husband sucks. I'm in a bad marriage. But this is what I want you to know about me. So being bold is really, really helpful. I also love the idea of going back into the past. I'm, you know, approximately 500 years old now. And so many of my friends, like my good friends now, not the ones in Montana because they're new, but like people who I consider like my core best friends, they're from high school or college. And you know what? Most of us weren't that close then. I was just in Mexico with my friend Wenwen and everyone on the trip, you know, we we're in a group trip. They're like, how, did you, how do you guys know each other? And we're like, high school. And they're like, oh my God, have you guys been best friends since high school? And we're like, no. <laughs> like we shared a best friend. Like she was friends with my, one of my best friends, but like, no, we never hung out. And I mean, I liked her, but I didn't, you know, I didn't know her. And we reconnected much later when we were both living in New York. And it's good because you have somebody who knows you. Even if like we didn't know each other that well in high school, we knew where we came from. We knew what life was like in Irvine. We we had more of a foundation than someone like I'm going to meet at Starbucks. There's this, there's, how do you describe it? It's like they've already sort of paid the price of admission, I guess. They have better eyes on your foundation as a person and the things that shaped you your upbringing, maybe your first job, your first apartment. And actually, when I think about it, when I say we shared a best friend, Diane has been one of my best friends since middle school. Ugh, she was always like so beautiful and so graceful. And I'm like still in my awkward middle school phase. It's great. But we didn't hang out a ton in high school either. And we pretty much lost touch in college. You know, we'd like text here or there if we're both in Irvine. But when we both lived in New York, I mean, we were hanging out constantly. You just really don't know. And this is why I always tell you, like, never, as much as possible, try not to burn bridges with friends because people really do change so much, so much. I've gone through this with my friends who've had children. Like, some of them had kids at 28. That was so not on my radar. But now their kids are a little older. We can hang out. We can go out. They're like jazzed and energized being around me, like being single and they're living vicariously through my Tinder. I'm like jazzed, like, oh my God, you created this amazing family and look at look at this. And now you're like the head of HR for Pepsi or whatever it is. So you just, you don't know what from the past could benefit your future. So try it, you know? And what do I always say? What do I always say? The number one question I get from you guys, it's not about family, it's not about boys, it's not about career, it's how to make friends as an adult. Number one question. This tells me that everyone wants to make friends. I mean, you guys come from all over the world, all different ages, all different backgrounds, religions, everything. And everyone wants the same thing. We want those social connections. We want those bonds. We want a tribe. So don't be afraid to put yourself out there. Yeah, I mean, there might be people like, mm, I don't want to be friends with you. Cool, whatever, bitch, move on. Get the fuck out of my line at Starbucks. I don't care. You know, that's fine. It's like fishing. You got to cash your line out again and again. You got to be bold. So how does this advice relate to the girl who's dealing with a guy who doesn't have friends? Well, oh my God. Oh, I just feel her so much on this. I feel like this is the story of my life. I hope nobody I'm dating or have dated is listening to this. Ugh, they probably are, whatever. I'd say it to their face anyway. I feel like I attract, and I know a lot of you guys do too, because we're all like very alpha and we're outgoing and we're bold and we're brave. We attract people who kind of aren't, you know, not beta males, but we attract people who don't have our social clout, not like clout, like on Instagram, you know what I mean, 
who maybe aren't as bold and outgoing, who aren't as socially fluid and dynamic. We provide what they lack. And to a degree, that's every dynamic in every relationship. And that's the way it should be. You know, you should balance each other out. Oh, he's really handy. You're more creative and cerebral, right? He's good with money. Like, you're a little, you're telling him to loosen up the purse strings. Come on, we're getting a couple's massage here at this resort, right? You guys can balance each other out in a healthy way. But when it's a social thing, it can get very, very exhausting. And truly, it has doomed many of my relationships where I was their whole world. I was their girlfriend. I was their best friend. I was their therapist. I was their mama. And it's like, I don't want to be all these things. I, you know, I don't want to be everything to you. I want to be the biggest thing. You know, I want you to love me the most, I guess. But I, I can't, I can't be all these things because I don't require that of you. I have healthy family relationships. I have a career I love. I have great friends. And none of those things are accidental. They're because of work. They're because of therapy, which we'll touch on later in the podcast. They're because I took fucking chances and was bold, you know, hard work, tenacity, all of these things. But it's difficult when you're looking at a boyfriend who is wonderful and he's just not making those connections. I do think it's way harder for guys to make friends than girls. Girls, we're social. We're hardwired to share. It's a psychological truth. Men communicate to solve problems. Women communicate to build relationships. So inherently, if you are in that line at Starbucks chit-chatting, you're talking, you're doing relationship building. It's not like, hey, where's the bathroom? How much are cake pops? Oh, okay, it's over there and they're $2.99. Cool. End of conversation. That's how men communicate, though. We're like, oh, my God, this line. Oh, I know. But have you been to City Brew? Oh, my God, it's even worse. No way. Yes, I, I'm telling you. And here the milk is better. You're talking more, you're talking more collaboratively. There's more open-ended conversation. I did improv for a lot of years, a lot of years, like 15. And the, the principal rule of improv is yes and. Yes and. Like whatever your scene mate does. He's like, here we are on Mars. You're not going to be like, no, we're in Madagascar. Then the scene ends, right? There's Where do you go with a no? It's a shut door. You say, yes, and we're here on Mars and our spaceship is broken. Yes, our spaceship is broken, but we have all of this grape nuts to eat. Like, whatever the fuck it is. So you yes and to create further dialogue. Women inherently know this. It is, like I said, how we're hardwired. For guys, it's not. Like, if you look at dudes and who they're friends with, a lot of times it's coworkers. I mean, gosh, the last two serious relationships in my life, they're only friends with their coworkers, you know? And it's hard because they don't have people from their past who are historians, memory keepers, who will be like, hey, dude, you're drinking too much. This is not how you were, even in college. This is not who you are. I know you. I'm going to help keep you on the middle path. They don't have that. And that's tough. Because then that role falls to you. It's also tough that you can't just go out, round up a bunch of bros, bring them home to your boyfriend and be like, look, here's your tribe. Like, I found them. Just, I fucking done it. Just go be friends. So one of you shalligators had a really, really good suggestion. Double dates. Double dates. Look at your friends who are coupled and be like, let's all go out. This is where your boldness has to come in to benefit him. We're going to host a party at our house tonight, honey. Bring every guy you know from work. I'm bringing my girls. I'm telling them to bring guys. Like, we're just having like a party. We're having a friend mix or whatever. I want you to talk. I want you to be open. Open but a healthy fence, right? And just kind of see if that kicks things off a little bit. 
Also, yeah, ugh, like it was hurtful reading, you know, this question where it's like, is he, does he seem desperate? Is he coming across as desperate? Desperation is the strongest smell in the universe and it is, it is absolutely fucking radioactive. Nobody wants to be around someone that's desperate who thinks like, oh my God, if I give this person an inch, they're going to take a mile. They're going to cling on to me. I'm never going to like get rid of them. We cannot handle that as people, even though we might look at like the girl sitting by herself at lunch and we're like, I know she needs a friend and I know it's the right thing to do to sit with her, but I don't want a stage five clinger. You know, it's tough. It's really tough. So you, it's like you can't tell your boyfriend that like, hey, you look actually incredibly desperate. What you can do is encourage him to socialize in a way that's not so one-on-one. You know my number one tip to make friends? Activities. Activities, activities, activities. And here comes the answer for both of these questions. The shalligator who wants better connections in her life and the girl who's dealing with a boyfriend who lacks connections in his. Activities. The world's opening up. We can get back out there, right? Wear your mask, do whatever the fuck you want. But like, try to find some interactive social things. It's a lot easier to bond when two people are engaged in the same activity. Whether that's a rec hockey league, a CrossFit gym. Dude, CrossFit people love each other. They love each other. I think their cool down is like a circle jerk. They just are like obsessed with each other, whatever. Or it's a language class or volunteering or getting involved in church or whatever. Then you can bond, you can get to know each other, things come out slowly. It's not like you're sitting across the table from each other like weirdos on a a strange platonic date, just like sharing your life story and trying to bond. Again, for guys, that doesn't work. They communicate to solve problems. So if you can get him engaged in something social that has an element of problem solving, like sports, right? We got to run this to the end zone. We got to do, I don't know, some other sports metaphor. I I don't play sports except for hockey, so that's all I've got. If you can do that, then he's going to form those bonds. But at the end of the day, you know, you can lead a horse to water, you can't make him drink. If he chronically doesn't have friends, I mean, maybe there's a reason. Maybe he's not a very good friend to people. This guy sounds like he is, like open, generous, nice, tries hard. But if you see something he's doing that is like, hey, you know, if your friends text you wanting to go out, you got to write him back. Okay, you do need to call this guy on his birthday. Take him out for a beer. This is what you need to do to build relationships. Or don't, if this isn't a priority, that's fine. But don't look at your outcomes and be super confused. Because, I mean, this is is what it is. Heck, have him listen to this podcast. Share with him that men communicate to solve problems. So what kind of problems does he like to solve? You know? Does he like, is he techie? Is he creative? Is he sporty? Does he like challenges? You know, does he like the resiliency of like, yeah, CrossFit or building a house or he could do Habitat for Humanity? There's a bunch of stuff, but remember, 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 you're not his therapist. And as much as you want to help him with this problem, and you should because we have to help our partners, it is a difference between helping and fixing. You've got the open door. You're willing to help. Yeah, hey, I want to I want to do this for you. You know, I want to do this with you. I want to get you where you want to be. But I've got my fence. I've got my healthy boundaries. No. You know, I'm I'm not only going to have you talk to my guy friends. I want you to make some of your own. No. We're not going to like if you have guys over, you're going to have boundaries too and they're not going to stay here till 4 trashing our apartment. Okay? If you can come up with your own set of healthy boundaries, that's going to be something he witnesses as well. Hey, I know you want to make friends, but just because these dudes want to like sit and smoke weed all night and you're not into that, 
You need to say, no, dude, I like, I'm not into that. I'll come chill for a little while, but don't let your desperation be like, okay, yeah, I'll do that all night. Even though I have to get up early, it's going to fuck my job. No, no, honey, you have to have your boundaries. When we can be a good example, we attract people who are also good examples. And for the shalligate who's trying to make friends of her own, you know, set that good example. You don't like flaky friends? Don't be a flaky friend. Call them out. Be like, hey, I really pride myself on being punctual. If I say I'm going to be there at 10, I'm there at 10. So I need that from the people in my life. And if you're busy, that's fine. I'm not going to be mad if you can't make it. I'm going to be mad if you keep me waiting. So just tell me ahead of time. Tell me what times work for you. And like I said, though, people change. And the frazzled, flaky stages that people are in, sometimes it is just how they're hardwired. We all have friends who are like croissants, sweet and flaky. Sorry about it. I'll try to be there. And we have people who truly are in kind of like a chaos state. They're not feeling good about their body, their career, their whatever. And it's manifesting in what they deem the more elastic areas of their life, usually their friendships. You know, it's like either she's not going to cut me off or if she does fuck man, whatever, you know, so I'm going to play out my chaos in a way that feels a little bit safer. So that's okay. You don't need to go scorched earth. You don't need to have a big dramatic blow up. You don't need to talk shit to the rest of your friends. You can just back burner them. And then front burner, like that other shalligator said, some people from your past, some people from your work, some people you're getting involved with, with your own life, your own activities. Going back to the girl whose boyfriend needs some people, If you're showing him, hey, look at my 360 life. I have Spanish lessons on Wednesday. I have volleyball on Thursday. I go to church every Sunday. And look at the friends I've made through that. This is what you need to try too. I will help you. I will encourage you. But remember what we were talking about in that Justin Bieber and Haley Baldwin video? Cheerleaders don't play. Deshaun is not throwing the ball to Brittany. You cheer on the side, but you're doing your own thing. You have your own job to do, and he has his. When we can be that example for people, whether it's a boyfriend or a friend or a parent or a sibling or whoever, like I said, we inspire them and then we magnetize people who are also good examples into our lives. necessarily a question it's like sort of an answer to a question that nobody asked (laughs) when am I not like sharing opinions no one asked for but you know here we are you're stuck here on this podcast with me so you're in for the ride so a shalligator submitted a question to me if you guys have a question that you want like some personal help with you can go to my website shallonlester.com and you can submit a question there it's you know sometimes easier than the reddit thread and it comes directly from me and I answer but it was interesting because she she was saying that like she's gone through a lot. She had like a narcissistic mom. And then, of course, I mean, not of course, but predictably got involved with a narcissistic husband because we tend to date people who remind us of our most difficult parent. Why? Why? Well, because we want to like do it over. You know, we want to have that same dynamic, but fix it. It's it's interesting. And we talked about this sort of in the Demi Lovato video, uh, one of the many videos I've done about her where I just dragged her to hell and back. But she was talking about how after she got raped by her drug dealer, she called him again to like, I don't know if it was to hook up or to buy drugs, probably both. But she's like, I did it because I wanted to rewrite that narrative. I wanted to get the power back, like do it over, but on my terms, with my power. So that is that issue at play in areas that don't involve our parents. But I digress. 
So she was saying in her message, she's like, you know, I've gone through all this therapy and I'm coming to terms with things and I thought I was healed, but I'm not. Like I just got out of another relationship and I feel like I'm right back at square one, just as wounded as I want. And the message kept coming through like I thought therapy was going to fix this and I did so much. I did my part. I really did the work and I'm like just as wounded. And I think that's a really, really good thing to address because we talk about therapy a lot over here. I am like the queen of therapy. I love therapy. It's like a massage for your brain. It's like a chiropractor for your mind. You know, we clean out our closets more than we clean out our mind. We pay more attention to the cleanliness of our car than the cleanliness of our heart and our soul and our behaviors. That's crazy. And it's some of it is because society is like, well, you're crazy if you go to therapy. But I really do think we as humans have moved away from that. You know, that's like kind of the thing in the 80s. Oh, you go to a shrink, you get your head shrunk. Like, yeah, Gary and Linda, I do. But now I think therapy is so much more widely accepted. But the barrier to therapy, as we have talked about in previous podcasts, is just how exhausting it is to pour out your life story, you know? And look, I'm a lowercase narcissist. If anyone should love talking about themselves, should be me. But nobody really likes to do that in therapy. You know what? Hold on. I misspoke. I misspoke. Some people do. Some people really do. They go to therapy and they're like, oh, fuck yeah. And they just get to talk about themselves like hours a week forever. And they're not actually interested in doing any work. They just want to talk, you know. And for people like that, psychiatrists can be really good, like psychoanalysts. or I mean, it's literally called talk therapy, where you just like talk and talk and talk. I'm much more of the vein of cognitive behavioral therapy. I want to get in and get out, baby. Tell me what I'm doing wrong. Doctor, fill me. Do not sugarcoat it. Tell me to do X, Y, Z, and I will obey with a slavish obedience. Because I want better relationships. I want to feel good about my body. I want to have strong friendships, healthy family bonds, you know? So that's how I am in terms of therapy. And I have a feeling if you guys are fans of me and fans of the podcast and everything that I do, you're of the same mindset. You want results. And so for this shalligator, when she's like, I have done this and I just like, I thought I was in a good place and now it's just like this house of cards that's been knocked over. It's important to realize what therapy is. It's not a cast, it's a toolbox. Wait, what? A cast? Yes, a cast. I said it to her like this. Imagine if you broke your leg skiing, right? You would get put in a cast, you'd be laid up for a few weeks, and then the cast would come off. But you would know, and I've broken five bones, so I can I know from what I'm talking about. You would You would know that that bone actually is not good as new. You might walk a little different. It's a little stiff when it's cold outside. You kind of have to baby it. It's it's healed. By all intents and purposes, it is healed, right? The bone has refused. But it is not good as new. And it's certainly not maybe stronger than your other bones that haven't been broken, right? And our minds are like that too. When we get healed, and I put that in air quotes, when we're healed and when we untangle some trauma and, you know, we don't feel good as new. We don't feel unbroken. I mean, the scars are still there. That is still our weak spot. That's our soft bone. But going back to this cast metaphor, we can let a leg heal and we acknowledge that it's healed because we don't keep re-traumatizing it. 
If you, as soon as that cast came off, were back on that same ski slope, skiing like an absolute douche like you were the day you broke it, going too fast on a hill you didn't belong on, you would probably expect to break that bone again or some other bone, right? So you probably don't do that. You probably approach this same behavior with more judiciousness. But life and our mind and our heart is not like that, right? We can't stay off the emotional ski slopes of life. You got your heart broken by a bad breakup, a fuck boy, a liar, a betrayer, a con man, whatever. Well, honey, you got to get back out there. And so therefore, new data points and potentially, most likely, new traumas are going to keep knocking at that emotional bone, right? So the concept that like, I thought I was healed, like the cast came off. What the fuck? Well, you're back on that ski slope. You're back out there getting new trauma, new experiences. And so of course, at times you're going to feel like you're back at square one because that is life. That is life. Therapy is not meant to put you in that emotional cast. You get it off and then, hey, you know what? You this therapy is going to work best for you if you like never leave the house. Oh, don't have any new friends. Um, no new experiences. Definitely don't date. Don't speak to your mom ever again. But then, yeah, therapy is like perfect for you. Therapy isn't a cast. It is a toolbox. Toolbox. It is the thing that you carry with you to constantly self-repair right? And this is especially true of cognitive behavioral therapy, which is why I like it. It gives me a constant toolbox, whether that's mantras, behavioral shifts, even like exercises to do, stretches that I do that's just part of like a routine, like this Pavlovian routine. Okay, I'm getting stressed. I know when I feel this stress in my body, this anxiety, I put my arms over my head, I bounce my shoulders back, you know, I stretch, I go into a lunge, and that is part of my set behavior. That is my tool that I reach for. And I have assigned that set of behaviors, that set of stretches as problem solving. When I do this routine, I am going to feel better. And your mind, who doesn't want to be stressed, doesn't want to be anxious, is like, all right, that works for me, man. I love how my mind sounds like a sloth that just learned to talk. It's not like sharp and incisive. It's like, okay. <laughs> it's like it just crawled out of a tar pit. <laughs> but it's a set of tools. And so we are constantly in a state of self-reparation, of self-repairing, because we have that toolbox. And so if we go through life thinking, oh, well, I tried therapy and it just didn't work for me. Gee, who did say that? Demi Lovato said that. Her idiot fans. Well, she tried to be sober. It didn't work for her. <laughs> okay, I should say it did not after an overdose and three heart attacks, whatever. Whatever. But we can't think that this is a one and done thing. It's a set of tools that we carry forward. So it's important. The reason I'm talking about this is because I don't want you guys to muster up the courage, to muster up the, just the effort of going through like the red tape of finding a therapist with, that's under your insurance and making the appointment and driving down there. Even if it's teletherapy, you know, you still have to click with someone. And I always like to do in real life therapy. It's just, you build a rapport. There's nothing like in real life, you know, right? We do Zooms and we do that stuff because we don't have another choice all the time. But if we can see someone IRL, it's always going to be better. Always going to be better. And you've also done the part of like, here's my trauma. Here's my life story. Here's the whole shit with my mom. Here's everything that went on with my brother, whatever it was. And if you're like, wait a minute, I'm not restored to factory settings here. 
wait. Then the, you know, the inclination is to be like, well, I'm never doing this shit again. Fuck this shit. This is awful. This is awful. I mean, imagine if you got a cast off and you still couldn't walk on that leg. You're like, what the hell was I on crutches for for three months? What, what is this? Right? You would be understandably very upset. But the body and the mind do not work in the same way when it comes to healing. Because, like I said, the mind is constantly introducing new possible trauma. The body is not. I mean, you're in control. No one's forcing you up that ski lift. You can ameliorate the trauma to your body. But we as humans who are out there, we're wild women, we're open-minded women, we're open-hearted women, you're going to leave yourself exposed. That's where the toolkit comes in. So if you can reframe your therapy goals to that, I think you're going to get so much more out of it. Never be afraid to take a break if you need to. I take a lot of therapy breaks. Like I'll get an influx of information. I'm like, okay, this is what I need to work on. And then I go home and I put it into practice for a few weeks, even a few months. I haven't seen my therapist in a little bit because I've been putting things into practice and then looking where those weak spots are. Okay, it was really easy for me to put up boundaries about not drinking. It was much harder for me to put up boundaries about not being on phone calls I don't want to be on, you know? So now I have more data that I can go back into therapy with and get better tools that work better for the problems I'm trying to solve. Well, that's it for this episode of Girl on Top. Thanks for being part of the Shalantourage. If you have a love question you need some help with, find me on my website, shallonlester.com, and be sure to connect with me on Instagram at shallonxo and subscribe to my YouTube channel. Stay sweet, stay savage.